Hey everyone, welcome into the NKY Bracketology Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, joined tonight with Michael and Zach. Um, we're going to come talk some top 25s with you tonight, um, and then we'll probably get into Zach's model just a little bit. Um, just one thing I want to say right off the bat, we're not posting these as, like, I've had like three or four people say that they're engagement, like, I'm just posting them for engagement. That's not the case. I'm not sitting here saying that, like, we are posting, like, could I style like Zach's a little bit better to make it more clear? It's a like predictive model. Yes, but it would throw off the entire like aesthetic of the graphic and I'm not going to do that. So make sure you're reading a full post. I think a lot of people today weren't hitting see more and they were just commenting, read Zach's articles. Like Zach has the information out there for you all to read, to understand what, like what's going into the model and why he's doing it. Same thing with Michael to a lesser extent. Um, Michael's is more of a seedless top 25, like a resume-based type of thing, than it is a power-ranking top 25. So make sure you're reading the full like description on the tweet and not just going straight to the comments to be angry. Um, it's just, it'll save you a lot of headache. I've had a lot of deleted tweets today just with people not realizing what they said and why they, like why it was done the way it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to mention that right off the bat. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Zach and I think we're going to get started with a random question that I have no idea what's coming. <laughs> um, well, you've seen them, uh, but, uh, I'll go with who is a sneaky final four team in your opinion? A sneaky final four team. Are you wanting so, a sleeper, like a deep cut, or are you wanting just a team that you're that's not like flying among those big final four picks? Uh, just someone kind of not being talked about. You know, like I think Houston, Connecticut, probably Purdue, they're all kind of being talked about. Who's who's like another team outside of them um, that you think, you know? They're they're really dangerous. Um, <laughs> um, I will start. Actually, if you guys don't mind, I'll actually go with Tennessee. <laughs> um, Tennessee is much more balanced this year. Um, yes, the offense can struggle, but they they have. They have definitely improved in that category. Um, And they've got a guy this year who can just be the guy in Dalton Connect. Um, So I think, you know, I think Tennessee can can make a run. I mean, can they? Like, possibly. Will they? I don't think so. I don't don't know if a projected two-seed is what we call a sleeper, but okay. Well, I, I again, get where just, it's coming from. Nobody's yeah. saying like I talked about Final Fours today on Twitter a lot, and like nobody was picking Tennessee, or if they were, they were getting comments making fun of the pick. Mm-hmm. So I get where <laughs> it's coming from. Um, my sleeper, I'll go with Creighton. Ooh. Um, okay. So Kalkbrenner is just a defensive like menace, and they don't foul. Like Creighton is used to. Yes like playing a brand of basketball that they don't have a lot of fouls called on them. Uh, I got to see them live Saturday and 
just the way that they like meshed together and they had a poor shooting at least first half and they were up by like 10. Like they didn't shoot the ball well and they still found a way to win. They just, they can beat you with multiple ways. So I'll pick Creighton. I'm kind of thinking towards like Alabama, but then again, that's kind of high up there with, with how their predictors are, but that's one. I mean, Creighton was a four seed. Like we're not picking. Yeah. Easy deep in the bracket. Maybe Alabama would be one. I could see That's, it. Yeah. yeah. They're off theory then. Yeah. And I like and like, I like teams that, that have played good schedules all season too. Yeah. Yeah. They'll definitely be battle tested. That is for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. I think Michigan State, you could throw in that category of they're gonna be a sleeper team down at the bottom, but Izzo will have them peaking at the right time. That sure was a yeah. big win they had against Illinois over the weekend. Yeah, it was. I was getting ready to drop them out too. They were really starting to fall out of brackets. And yeah, well, now they what? Illinois just keeps doing enough to be in that near lock category, but not enough to be a lock. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one other team. Who do you think could do like an FAU type of run? Ooh, besides FAU? besides FAU, besides FAU, who's doing the exact same thing? Yeah, Saint, Saint Mary's. That, yeah, that's yeah. possible. My pick um, was Indiana State. Indiana State? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They do have some Loyola Chicago, like, like you know, similarities to them. Yeah. So I'll, I'll probably talk later about why I don't trust teams like Indiana State and Dayton. But, yeah, I – I just – is it the turnovers? They don't. They don't check. They don't check enough boxes for me. Fair enough. Um, but I definitely could see like if they, you know, if they're if the shots are falling, like they can, they can outscore anybody. Well, one thing they've been doing a really good job of lately is scoring the ball inside, not just relying on outside shooting. Now I don't know how well, that, how how well they do that. You know. And then into the tournament against more physical teams. That's they, yeah, yeah. They absolutely won't. Yeah. Like there, there uh, are games lately. Where I think against Valparaiso, they shot like seventy or seventy-five percent from inside the the, the three-point line for most of the game. Yeah. Mm. Well, yeah, that is, and that definitely helps the offensive rebounding. Yes. If they can, <clears throat> if the size isn't too much of a factor. And that's yeah. something that they haven't really been able to do very well, um, at least in non-conference play. Um, but, yeah, if they if they can improve in that category, then, yeah, that's that makes them all the more dangerous. Yeah. So with that, we'll transition. Um, we're just trying to do more, like, segmented and just kind of, like, compartmentalize everything. So you're going to see more of that kind of stuff. Um, coming just we want to be able to talk about different things as well um so i'll go ahead and turn it to michael and let him go through his top 25 first okay so here's what i have for my top 25 so goes purdue yukon houston arizona shocker i know (laughs) marquette north carolina kansas Tennessee, Iowa State, Alabama, Woo! Baylor, Clemson, South Carolina, Creighton, Wisconsin, Auburn, Dayton, 
Colorado State, San Diego State, Utah State. Yes, the Mountain West contingent. BYU, Duke, Oklahoma, Illinois, Florida, Florida Atlantic. After this, I put a few teams just on the outside. Florida Atlantic, Texas Tech, Virginia, Kentucky, and Texas A&M. And I would mention below that, somewhere around like Washington State, maybe one of the other Big 12 teams, I think I may. Oh, St. Mary's was the other one I mentioned to you earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Purdue doesn't really need much explanation. The two and the two and three between, between UConn and Houston is, is getting closer. Um, the big difference for me was UConn being like, I think it was 13 and two in Q1 and two games while Houston is nine and three. Yeah. That was the separator, but it's getting closer. It Houston's definitely like just knocking on the door from like a bracketology standpoint too. There's, I mean, there's people that have Houston at number two overall. So I, I can't really complain about that too much. So Arizona up to four after their wins over Colorado and Utah. Yes, they have their inconsistency pep and inconsistency. I don't know how, how deep I would pick them to go in the, in the NCAA tournament. But their ability to win away from home, especially on the road, yeah. has been more impressive than the teams behind them. Yes. Which is why I moved them up to four. Marquette I have at five. I mean, they've been winning, and they do have wins away from home. They beat Kansas. Hey, Mike. What? Can I just ask really quick? Um, do you have Arizona at four? Um, because Tennessee and North Carolina, not like just because of this, but like if. Well, we lost Zach. I will finish his question because I think I know where he was going. Yeah. But more of a like Arizona. So like how it happened for my bracket this week is Arizona like defaulted into the number four overall spot. Right. Like teams around them lost. Yeah. Which they won and it was obviously a road win. So they jumped up. So I think the, the question kind of is like, is it somewhat kind of recency bias? Kind of. I think that's where he was going. But um, yeah, I'm trying not to be. But I mean, so Zach, were you kind of going along with like the uh, recency bias kind of question? Like was well, that? Kind of, but more just like if Tennessee and UNC hadn't dropped games this week. Oh, would, would you have, have them? The would, they, would they have remained or at least, you know, been ahead of Arizona? Probably, sure. I mean, yeah. Tennessee, if they had won, would have won a Texas A&M. You know, North Carolina would have would have um, had the had – the, I mean, they won over – was it the weekend or the weekend? No, they beat yeah, Miami. They beat my, had, yeah, had they beat they Miami. Clem, had they not lost to Clemson, yeah, they'd be ahead of them. Yeah. Okay. I mean, so, it, was, yeah. it, it was a couple of things. I mean, it was Arizona beating Colorado and Utah on the road, but it also was North Carolina and Tennessee taking losses. Right. That okay. And and furthering the issue, especially with with some of these teams like Kansas and Tennessee, of their struggles to win away from home, except yeah. for Tennessee yeah. putting 150 on Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. Um, Wasn't quite that many, but it felt like it. It really did. Um, and, and the, really the four through about nine is pretty close. Yeah. Um, I have North Carolina over Kansas again for the road factor. They have gone on the road to beat Clemson, which matters. 
we need to see if Kansas can beat Texas Tech on the road, and now we know they're going to be without was it McCuller? Yeah, for the game yep. game, yeah. Um, Second game in a row, but I mean, right? They ha- didn't have him for Baylor, but that was a home game. So Texas Tech is desperate, and honestly, they need to come out and play. Matt, I know you're listening to this at some point. I got Texas Tech's name right this time, <laughs> and yes, they need to win. So Iowa State, I don't love their strength of schedule, but they keep winning, and they've gotten wins away from Hilton now too. Which yeah. matters. Uh, Alabama looks pretty good. I, I like where I put them up at 10, just ahead of Baylor. Uh, Clemson, I mean, that was a really big week for them. Going on the road twice to beat North Carolina and Syracuse. I mean, every time it looks like they're starting to drop back, they come with a couple big wins. That was important. Yeah. South Carolina, not a great first half against Vanderbilt, but pulled away in the second half. Survive in advance. Yes. Yep. Creighton is one of these teams that I just, every week, don't know where to put them. Yeah. The predictives are good. The resume metrics are not that good. Um, they're in the, like, the, like the uh, high 20s, I think, actually. And, the they're, and they're weird. Like, yeah. they now dropped games at home to Villanova and Butler by one point. Yep. Yeah. And, yeah, just really hard to get a handle on them, even from like a predictive standpoint. Yeah. Um, Wisconsin, I moved up, obviously had to move down. I would have liked to have moved them down more, but other teams didn't cooperate because they lost too. Um, and Auburn still has some of that, you know, quadrant one issue. I mean, they've gotten a couple, but Wisconsin has like three Six. or four more. Yeah. Granted, yeah. not the best of Q1 wins. But they're Q1 wins. They are. When you're comparing, especially like Wisconsin Auburn, yeah, Auburn has that loaded quadrant two, which is really helping inflate them. But Wisconsin has the inflated quadrant one. Right. Mm-hmm. They might be quadrant one B, but that's better than quadrant two. Yep. I still like. I don't love it. Dayton probably should go down further, but they don't have bad losses. They have some decent wins, and overall, when they're not scoring forty-five points in a game against VCU, they're pretty good. <laughs> That was a Props weird game. That was a I mean, weird game one, last Friday. Yeah, it was odd. Um, I was on a podcast while it was going on, and I kept getting lost in the podcast because I just had to be watching the game. Um, but that's beside the point. So Colorado State has its place with the win over Creighton and some other nice wins too. Uh, beat, San, beat San Diego State, so I have them just ahead of them. San Diego State beat Utah State. Now, Utah State is interesting. They only played once last week, and I actually ended up dropping them. And I have to be honest, part of that is because I knew they had lost to San Diego State um, the previous week. I had honestly forgotten they had lost a second time earlier in the week. And had I realized that, I would have probably dropped them then. But this is probably about where they should be anyway. So I don't have an issue with it now. Yeah. So BYU is where they are. I thought I feel like they're somehow they're – they would have gotten better wins away from home in league play, but they really haven't gotten enough. Most of it's just been at home, so that's why they're at 21. Um, I know there were questions about Duke, and they're good ones. So the most people have Duke on like the three or the four line. Yep. And to a degree, I get it. Yes, they are five and two in quadrant one, but there's more to, to a team sheet than Q1. And the wins over 
Baylor and Michigan State on, on a neutral court are the reason I have them in the top 25, period. They have Clemson at home. The other two quarter one wins are Pitt and Virginia Tech, which neither are even close to the field. Yeah. They have nothing in quarter. 13 of their 18 wins are Q3 and 4. So, and the resume metrics, I mean, they're around, the, they're in the, the low 20s, 20 and 23. So I kind of put them at 22. I mean, I don't. I have them as a three seed right now, which I think they're twelfth overall, um, off the top of my head, and that's more by default than it is anything. I would. I think you're a little lower on them than I would like, but I don't yeah. hate. I mean, I don't like Colorado State, um, Dayton, or San Diego State, or Utah State being ahead of them. Any of the other guys, I don't have an issue with whatsoever. So you're not like far off in my opinion. Just I would I'd have them a little bit higher. Yeah, I guess I could honestly like I could well, I don't know. It's it's resume. That's not my area of expertise, but from a personal feeling standpoint, I guess. I don't know. Um I I could give you San Diego State over Duke and then the other three plus Dayton or the other two plus Dayton and BYU probably lower. It also doesn't help Duke that the the Georgia Tech loss is now Q3. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It also doesn't help North Carolina either. Way to go, Wake Forest. Yeah, right. Way to go. Um. So I, I, I get the points. Um, I probably could have Duke ahead of BYU for sure. Yeah. Probably Utah State as well. But still, I, I guess I just, from a resume, from a team standpoint, I just haven't loved them as much as other people have. Yeah. Um, I, can, oh. I, mean, I can understand it. I feel like they're flying under the radar a little bit, full honesty. Um well, if, I, they, if I, they would if they would play better, they would be more on my radar. Well, that's fair. <laughs> I think they're gonna I, I, do well at the end of the year. I think they're gonna peak at the end. We'll see. I could i I would add them to my sleeper picks to make the final four. Okay. I I picked them earlier. I did the like thing on Twitter, and I picked them as one of my final four teams. So Oklahoma's at twenty three. They've been kind of weird lately, too. They win, they lose. They win a couple, they lose a couple. They still have a little bit of work to do to make sure they make the tournament, especially with how poor their out-of-conference schedule was. Yeah. Um, Illinois, like I said earlier, they just keep not doing enough to get higher. Uh, They do enough to stay there. They don't do any more. Yep. Uh, Florida has really been coming on. That was another big win they got against Auburn to go along with the win they have against Kentucky, although – Kentucky keeps making wins over them look not as good. <laughs> yeah. Anytime uh, you go into Rupp, it's a good win. It is a good win. Yes. Um, Florida landed. I moved out after they lost. After they they lost to uh, was it UAB? Yep. And then mm-hmm. barely beat Wichita State in overtime. You know, having well, they barely got to overtime and then. Pulled and then they beat Buffy. Yeah. yeah. Um, Virginia's playing well. Uh. They're one of yeah, those teams that I'm like this close to putting in like the near lock category. I'm just not quite there yet, but they're in good shape. Yeah, uh, that was a big that was a big win for Texas A&M to get Tennessee. I think yes. they're going to be a tournament team. I have them up higher now. 
um, St. Mary's and Washington State, which I don't have there, but are just just behind them. I like how they're looking. And that's really about it. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I don't have any more questions. My biggest thing was yeah. Marquette, but you already answered that, so. Yeah, I'm I'm good, Mike. I overall I think it's it's a it's a good top twenty five. Yeah, there's I don't have any issues. If somebody put that out as a bracket, I'd probably give them a little bit of crap about the Duke, like we talked about, but other than that, it's fine. Like there's no real issues with any of that. Yeah. All right, so I'll move to mine real quick. Um as I say every week, I don't like my methodology, I'm stuck with it. Um <laughs> just so, change it, just just drop it. I was talking to people today and like some of the comments on Twitter and like some people were like, I like the way yours is set up. Like, what do you do? And when I explain it and like tell them, it's basically just, if you win, you stay, if you lose, you drop. (laughs) And they like the like methodology of it, but I'm just like, there's no like substance. Yep. And I feel like I should move teams more than just one or two spots each loss. But I think I had three new teams enter the field this week. So it wasn't a big week for that. Um, but I will get into it here. Um, I had UConn at number one, Purdue at two, Kansas at three, Arizona at four, Marquette at five, then Houston, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Duke to round out the top ten. Um, Iowa State, Illinois, Baylor, Auburn, Alabama coming in at 15, Creighton, St. Mary's, Utah State, Colorado State, Virginia, that's 20. 21 is Florida, Indiana State, BYU, Washington State, and Dayton. Um, Grand Canyon is just that team that I keep wanting to push up and into the top 25. I just haven't done it yet. Um, apologies to anybody who was wanting that. I know I've told a couple people I was close, but I really am close. Um, other than that, I don't have a ton um, about it or anything like that. Like what questions you all have? It's fun to see Indiana State there. It is. I finally yeah. had to give credit. Um, that performance against Valparaiso was just remarkable, and they squeaked by Missouri State. On that the was road. close. Yeah, that would have been that would have been devastating for yeah. any hopes of the Sycamores getting an at large. So, who? How far down did you move Dayton? Twenty fifth. Well, no, I know, but how, how like, many spots? were they last week? Yeah. Yeah. They were seventeenth last. Oh, week. so eight spots. Okay, yeah. So that's that's. That hit them pretty hard. I was going to say, you could you could have dropped Dayton out and put Grand Canyon, but I, I don't think nine or more spots yeah. is, is too Pretty fair. Cool. Yeah. Um, so with Dayton, I don't like – I did it with Baylor a couple weeks back. Baylor took losses, like three or four losses in a row, and I would only move them five or six spots down at a time. Like, I don't want to drop a team – 10 or 12 spots just because they lose two games. So that's why I don't like my methodology right there. Cause I, I don't want to have to do that, but the way it's set up, I kind of have to. So I left Dayton there. Um, I actually had written grand Canyon at first and went back and changed it. Um, So that's just kind of where I left it. Yeah. I feel like yours Hunter just kind of, I mean, it's, it's easy to kind of explain to people um, very like surface level and like it it makes sense to people just like how you explain it and the teams that 
get ranked. Like where everybody is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Spend, but, to be fully honest, I might spend 30, 40 minutes doing this. Like, my brackets take up, like, five hours at least twice a week. So I don't have a ton of extra time on Sundays to put this together. Um, so I don't spend too, too much time. So in that aspect, I do like the ease of, like, how everything comes together and everything like that. Yeah. Um, I'm not... I'm not really going to like sit here and nitpick too much. Um, I mean, I think South Carolina is too high. Like even, even just from like a power ranking standpoint, I, I think You're they're too really high. You're tripling but... down on this whole making the Gamecocks hate you, aren't you? I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just telling you, like. He says, I'm not going to make any, like, I don't really have any big issues, but South Carolina. <laughs> It's not a big issue. No. Um, <laughs> you want, I, do you want me to make a big issue of it? Honestly, no, I don't. Because then I'm going to have to pull up more tabs, and then I'm going to end up deleting the podcast or something. So, <laughs> good. Well, and I feel like I feel like we're going to be spending enough time on South Carolina tonight anyway that we don't need to really. That's fair. No, um, South Carolina, no. they're hot, and I want to reward a team for being as hot as South Carolina is right now. That's um, fair. They've done what they've needed to do. They deserve to be up there. The job that Paris has done is just remarkable. Really well, yeah. Um, like, coach of the year. I mean, I don't think – he's my coach of the year yeah. right now. Um, easily in the SEC. You could make the argument Hurley should be the coach of the year nationally. But I think right now it goes to Paris in South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Any other questions, anybody? Not that I can see. Okay. So, yeah, like I said, I don't – it's one of those, like, I don't put a ton, ton of time into it, but also I don't expect a ton of back and forth about it. It's kind of an AP poll. I do one for the Everything College Basketball podcast has a top 25, and I participate in that. So that's why I actually started the top 25 altogether. Mm. So it's more AP style than the other ones. So I feel like 40 minutes is more than most AP voters put in. So I might as well. (laughs) something. All right, Zach, have at it. All right. So number one is Houston, Connecticut, then Iowa State. No. No. (laughs) No, I was just going to tell him he's wrong for everyone, but I'll let him. Oh, 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 good. Sorry. Keep that up. That'll get really annoying as I read through everything. Wrong. Connecticut. Wrong. Um. So okay. So Houston, Connecticut, Iowa State. Nope. Then four is Kansas. Five is Gonzaga. Eyebrows go up everywhere. Nope. Uh. Six is Alabama. Duke. Nope. Tennessee. Arizona. Purdue. Terrible. Texas Christian. Terrible. North Carolina. Marquette. Auburn. Saint Mary's. Baylor, Virginia, New Mexico, Illinois, Michigan State brings us to 20. And then Texas A&M, Kentucky, Mississippi State, Memphis, and Texas round out the top 25. Um, Highlights? Hey, welcome to the top five, Gonzaga. Um, Wrong. Not welcome. How in the hell are they there? Sorry. (laughs) But the... The Bulldogs shooting blitz over Portland and some really good. It's not the Trailblazers. <laughs> it doesn't matter. 
Doesn't matter. It does matter. <laughs> and their offensive rebounding against Kentucky moved them up four spots. But everybody does that. <laughs> Kentucky doesn't rebound. <laughs> or defend. Uh, you know what? What? I'm just going off of the data. Mm-hmm. Number nerd, I get it. Yes. Now, and then I, you, Gonzaga was in your top ten last week, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Like, they, I mean, their predictives are high across the board. You're higher, I think, than Ken Palm is, but it's not like egregiously different. They're, yeah, they'd be a top twenty-five team in Ken Palm. Yeah, I think they're twenty-first or twenty-second. Um, and then we also have Texas cracking the top twenty-five for the first time. Um, so they've got basically assuming- two things. Two things going for them. They had a huge win over West Virginia. And then Wisconsin decided they were only going to play half the season. (laughs) Um, Just, I don't know. Their their union decided that they they weren't going to play anymore. I thought Um, the 22-point loss to Rutgers at Rutgers was okay. I mean, it's (laughs) the rack. Like, that's not an easy place to play. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's not from a predictive standpoint. And really, anybody losing by 22 at the rack at this point, like maybe last year or two years ago, two years ago, not forgivable, even. forgivable. But this year, no, no. See, my you question by 22. See, my question is, where is Southern? I mean, New Mexico lost to UNLV, and Southern beat UNLV. Uh, I have no idea where Southern is. <laughs> um. And then also, so I got a couple more teams to cover. Uh, shout out to Mississippi State for taking the loss of Alabama personally. Um, they climbed eight spots after big wins versus Georgia and at Missouri. Yes, it's Georgia and Missouri, but they those honestly those, those were just really to, big wins. Those two teams have combined to lose like feels like fifteen in a row. Like, sure. Georgia's think, o, or not Georgia. Missouri's like o for eleven. O in for the SEC. SEC. Yep. Like. Yep. What a terrible job. No kidding. Here. Yeah, like, I feel like uh, Dennis Gates was like one of those like he was supposed to be kind of like the next big thing in coaching, and just this year has not lived up to expectations. Yeah. Don't you think sometimes with like first year head coaches like. If you haven't, especially when they come up from like mid-major schools, where maybe you haven't really seen them coach much before, you don't have like an idea like how they, how they run schemes and whatnot. But once you've had a year of it, these you these better coaches kind of are, are better ready for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Memphis up to twenty four was my biggest surprise. Um, this is not entirely due to Memphis's performance. Again, Wisconsin losing four straight helped. Um, How does that- a little bit of honesty? Um, like I don't honesty. feel good about this. Um, the The Tigers have been really held up in my rankings by five thousand four hundred and fifty one career points on the roster. The yeah. vast majority of that is from transfers. And while this is usually a good predictive metric 
for teams like Memphis, Missouri, and Arkansas, it just hasn't been. And, you know, maybe Memphis is is getting ready to go on a run in February and March. There's no run to go uh, on. It's the AAC. <laughs> exactly. There's There's a big run to go on. Not – I mean, honestly, if they win out, they'll get in. But, like, if they lose twice more – okay, if they lose a game to FAU, beat FAU once, and then lose another one, they're probably not going to get in. They might not, yeah. Well, hey, I'm hoping – honestly, like, no, this isn't, like, stellar by any means. But, like, they probably played one of the best games they've had in – two months close to two months yeah yeah yesterday so that was against who Tulane exactly okay Tulane I'll it's better than yeah UTSA or something when you when you've been looking at Memphis and you've just been seeing three and four point wins and and then like 10 10 point losses or I don't know whatever they have been a 12-point win in which they basically controlled the game start to finish is refreshing to see. Yeah. Um, so hopefully it just it, it carries forward. Um, I don't know if it if it doesn't, though they should drop back down. So what like you say Wisconsin helped them? How did Wisconsin losing help Missouri? So last week, Wisconsin was ranked 25th. Okay, so it's more just like by virtue of them falling out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Sorry, you said that about two teams, so I was just wanting to make sure like I clarified that. Yeah, so... I have one more question for you. Sorry. Okay, go Uh, ahead. Memphis and Arkansas, you mentioned those two. Um do you have any sort of continuity stand like stat in your model at all? Um, not currently. I'm working on trying to figure that out. Okay. Um, mainly just calculating the points returning from last year, the, yeah. the career points returning from last year versus points that are imported through the transfer portal. Yeah. I think um, but that will be a next that will be a next season thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think either points or minutes. I know Torvik does both for his model. Minute, minutes are less predictive. So that's what I was thinking. I assumed points would be better. Um, so yeah, I think and anything that we talk about like change wise, like Zach's not gonna tear his model down and then rebuild it in the middle of the season. Like he just this is how you brainstorm a model. You have to talk yeah. live. And- write these ideas down and bring them up in August when you can sit down and talk about it a little bit better. And I definitely appreciate like, if you, if you come to me on Twitter and you have genuine questions about how the model works, like I'll listen to you. I'll explain it. Um, If you're going to tell me that like my model sucks and, or like, just point out all the things that it doesn't include and be like, it's crap, throw it in the trash. Like you're not going to get much of a fair hearing that way. Um, but I think if you, if you're going to bring a question up, like we had a couple people today 
Um, one of them actually like asked for like a further explanation and then had yeah. some comments back. Like, we appreciate you taking the time to actually read the article and yeah, give a couple. Like, I think he mentioned strength of schedule, which we've talked about, um, and then a couple other things. And then we talked about recruiting with his model. Like, that stuff's helpful. And those are things that Zach will take back and really mm-hmm. try to incorporate or see how they would fit into the model and if they would be good or if they would be like less predictive. Yeah. Um, One thing I so want to the, just really quick, Mike, yeah, um, uh, I think one of the things like there's no perfect model out there. Yeah. And sometimes they're like one thing you know, people have to understand too, is that it takes a lot of work to make changes to the model. Mm -hmm. So putting in like, like dedicating an entire month to add a new metric or change a metric just to get like a fraction of a percentage better predictions isn't really worth it. Um, what is probably actually more worthwhile is, you know, me putting out content so you guys can understand the model and then using that information to decide for yourselves how to use the model and compare it to, to like other models out there, like Ken Palm and, you know, Bart Torvik and others, um, that are all, you know, very good in their own right. So, like, those two are the gold standard. Like, if you're not super into metrics, um, I would definitely take a, not a deep dive, just take, like, a surface-level dive into Torvik and then into um, Ken Palm as well. Mm-hmm. Both of them are great metrics, and they're used by a lot of, like, NCAA. Like, the Ken Palm is actually on the team sheets for the bracket. Um Bart Torvik, I know, is used by a lot of teams. So make sure you, like, take a look at those and kind of understand. And then that way you can understand, like, Ken Palm is 73% accurate, I think, um, at predicting games. And then, like, Zach's model is, like, right at 70 72%, somewhere in there. So yeah. it's not like he's egregiously off or anything like that. Are there outliers? Yes. Are there outliers in every other model? Yes. yes. Sorry, we've gotten way off topic of your top 25. I just wanted to ask about the continuity while we were on Memphis because that was like the perfect example for that. Yeah, uh, no, that's fine. I was going to say something about Texas. You know, that margin of victory was really good for their predictives. Yes. It was not mm-hmm. great necessarily for like resumes of like Big 12 teams because what that did was West Virginia was getting closer to like the top 135 of the net which would have erased a Q3 loss for both Texas and um, Kansas. Kansas? Yeah. <laughs> so, and I think Cincinnati as well. Yes, Cincinnati as well. Yeah. And that dropped into like 154. I think they were at like 144 or maybe a couple spots higher. Yeah. And they've been playing well and looked like they were – and now it's going to take longer or they may not at all get back up there. Yeah. Yeah. Because um... – I mean, especially in the case of Cincinnati, that, like, torpedoed their resume. Yep. They were finally getting up, like, off of the last win, and then they lost to West Virginia, and they haven't been back in the bracket since. Nope. 
Um, one other team I wanted to ask about. Um, get me to TCU being at 11. Okay. Like, uh, what get, like what gets them there? So, again, uh, kind of like Memphis, um, they are propped up by a lot of career points. Okay. Um, but they have actually done more with those points. Um, Let me just pull up my data really quick um, so I can give you all a bit more. So they have, so first of all, they have no real like glaring weaknesses within their four factors. They're 83rd in a effective field goal percentage margin um they're 59th in turnovers per possession margin 26th in offensive rebounding margin and 115th in free throws per shot margin so those are all things that like if you're like um we can talk about like uh indiana state dayton um Alabama, Purdue, to some extent, like they all have things that you can like specifically target as a way to beat them. Yeah. TCU doesn't really have that. Um, and the, the three biggest categories, um, effective field goal percentage turnovers and offensive rebounding, they're all top 100 in that, that, that is huge. Um, so again, they have, they have the points from, you know, prior seasons, but then they're backing it up with like actual results. Makes sense. I don't, I mean, it's not like egregious by any means or anything like that. I was just curious. Like, I feel like they just continue to kind of climb quietly throughout big 12 play. And I mean, it's yeah. the- well, you're not playing bad teams. You're playing a lot of close games. The so hard makes- thing I have with TCU is, I, I obviously remember their their non conference schedule, which is hard to get out of my head. Then yeah. they'll go and get a get a big win against Baylor, and then you think, well, I got to put them way up, and then they lose a couple games, and then it's back to well, their average net wins is one ninety six. That's mm-hmm. below Indiana State. Yeah, which is one eighty three. So here's a little tidbit for you guys. Um, so I've been working with like common opponents. Yeah. Um, within my top 25. So TCU has five opponents in common with Baylor. They're minus 10.6 on average in those games. Okay. Minus 10.9 on average with Houston. Minus 17 on average with Kansas, plus 7.4. So are you Texas. talking points? Yeah, efficiency margin. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I wanted so, to clarify. Yeah, um, that's good clarification. So, like, at least within the top 25, just based on common opponents, where you don't have to adjust for, like, strength of schedule or anything like that, um they're kind of sitting right about where they should be. Okay. Um, 
one thing I wanted to ask. Mike, do you have any questions? Uh, no. Okay. Let me pull this up because I bookmarked it. I told her I was going to come back to it and ask her. She's asked a couple questions here before. And I wanted to make sure we asked the question. Uh, Did I confuse TCU with South, or South Carolina with TCU? Okay, so she said, uh, this is Dorina Perry um, on Twitter. She's a Tennessee fan. Um, she's Like I said, she's interacted a handful of times, so I wanted to ask this verbatim because I like the question. Please ask him if he's confused with TCU. Maybe it was a typo and he meant for it to be South Carolina. I can see how he could get those two mixed up. Um, this was after it was clear that it was a predictive model, so she knew. Um, but I just wanted to bring that up and she, I told her I was going to ask it directly and she said, yes, please. So Zach, it is all you. Okay. So no, I did not confuse TCU and South Carolina. South Carolina is currently 47th in my model. And some of that, uh, frankly is like some of the preseason metrics that I use. Lamont Paris does not have a great coaching record. Um, South Carolina did not do super well last year. They're not bringing back a ton of scoring, I don't think, um, but they, that might actually be something that they um, actually do have in their favor. Um, yeah, okay, they're actually pretty solid. 5,167. <laughs> Um, but then, so I'll, I'll point out to the, the predictive error on them is two points. So the model does pretty well, like it has a pretty good handle on that. And then from just like a four factors standpoint, um, the Honestly, the biggest weakness they have is turnovers per possession. They're 201st in that. So that's not... If they were, like, a top 10 shooting team, that they might... um, That might get them into the top 25. But being 201st in... In turnovers, that's that's not going to get them there. Okay. Um, So, yeah, um, I think TCU honestly has a little bit more uh, more weight behind their their ranking. Yeah. Um, well, they don't, like you said, they don't have that glaring weakness like we, you talked about, so that makes sense. Yeah. The other thing is just from, uh, again, from a predictive metric standpoint, South Carolina – really they've been winning games that they haven't been that they've that they haven't been supposed to how dare they uh, i mean okay. well no that's not i'm not saying like that's that's bad what i'm saying is so they they have been winning that's great they were they won but, games they weren't favored to win right yeah. but they also haven't really like separated themselves from teams that they were supposed to separate themselves from. Yeah. Like VMI and uh, Charleston Southern. Like 
they yeah. their efficiency margin against Charleston Southern was six points. North Carolina's was sixty-three. <laughs> that like that's the difference. That well, it's not the whole difference, but that's a big part of it. Um I have some uh numbers on South Carolina like with their common opponents. Um do you guys want me to get into that now or do you have other questions? I can come back to it really quick. If you want to get into it real quick, I'm fine with that. Go ahead. Okay. Um so I've got I've got two sets of numbers and I'll explain why I'm including both sets here in a few minutes, but um so the average efficiency margin uh between South Carolina and Alabama with four common opponents is minus half a point. With Auburn, it's minus 26 and a half. With Kentucky, it's minus 7.1. With Mississippi State, it's minus 15.8. And with Texas A&M, it's minus 1.1. Now, the median difference between South Carolina and Alabama is minus 6.2. With Auburn, it's minus 28.1. With Kentucky, minus 8.8. With Mississippi State, minus 16.4. And with Texas A&M, 0.4. So the two sets of numbers are very similar but the difference is that the median is going to be less pulled in one direction by outliers so the median in every case except for texas a&m is lower so it means that south carolina has a couple games against some of these common opponents um, but they, where they, where they've done better and that's pulled the, the average up, but the median is saying, no, no, there's more games where they performed worse. And that's what matters. That makes some sense. This is very in the weeds stuff, guys. Like if you have questions, please DM us, let us know. Yeah. Um, and- I can I can post these numbers too, yeah. Um, if that helps, just to get a visual on it. I do think a visual would help. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, you've kind of you've got my head spinning, mm-hmm. and I'm not gonna say that I'm a numbers guy, but I'm also pretty decently versed in metrics and stuff for college basketball, at least. Yeah. So it's basically, hard. It's a hard concept to grasp. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, just to summarize. South Carolina has played a bunch of teams in common with the teams that I've mentioned, and they performed worse. Right. In some cases, significantly worse than those teams. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm going to try a comparison. Tell me if I'm wrong, and I'll cut it. Go um, for it. So, like, the Big 12 teams, like, let's use Iowa State. They played these terrible opponents. And uh-huh. had the really poor non-conference schedules, 
but they beat these teams by 30 and 40. Whereas South Carolina has played teams like VMI and DePaul and, and then George or Charleston Southern, who are just yep. awful teams, but they've played them really close. Or closer yep, than they should have. than they're supposed yeah. to. Yeah, like I know DePaul was like a one possession game. Like, I think they won by five. Yeah. yeah it was, it was, I like still way too close for comfort yeah. against DePaul. So that's my point here. Like, is that kind of what you're getting at? Absolutely. Okay. Now, the only, the only caveat I'll throw in is that I'm looking for more than just one or two games in yeah. common it's because weird results can happen in college basketball. So four is my cutoff um, just because, again, one or two results can get pulled in one direction. But having four gives you a nice, like, it's less um, sensitive to outliers. It's a pattern instead of an outlier type of thing. Right, yep. That makes sense. My concern with South Carolina is that they played themselves into what, where they may end up getting like a four or five seed and then find themselves playing, you know, Samford or one of the Ivy League schools that comes out of it comes out of there and be like prime for like to be upset. Like they may not, yeah. they, they might actually have the worst net ranking than the other team going in and be in the five twelve game. I'm really interested. You kind of speak about seeding a little bit. I'm really interested to see where or if South Carolina ends up in this top 16 reveal. Um, I mm. think that'll be on Saturday. Yep. I think they could, but I'm really, really intrigued to see if they do. Saturday, 1230 Eastern, 1130 Central. Yes. Um, I think that's going to give us a great barometer of, and it's going to give us a barometer of where all of those teams are and like how we're looking heading into March. But specifically, if South Carolina is included, they're disregarding predictive metrics basically altogether. Because their predictives are in the 40s pretty much yep. across. Everywhere. And, and that's a six or a seven seed, not a three or a four seed but south carolina's numbers just look too good they do you can't like it's hard to leave them out yeah well and i'll say like it's entirely possible that south carolina continues to to win games they may even get better like they um i think um they beat kentucky by 17 Yep. Vanderbilt by 15. I think they're they're starting to like I think they're starting to extend their like scoring margin a little bit as the season has progressed. Yeah. So I mean that's a good sign. It's just that looking looking back there's not really there's not really a reason from a predictive standpoint to rank them in the top 25. Yeah. And I mean, we talk all the time about the entire season mattering. It matters. We don't wait the last more than anything. It, it, every game matters the exact same. So when you talk, especially predictive metrics, those are numbers. That's a computer. That's not something that's going to use an eye test at all. Like you're going to get those results. I mean, we give, we had a lot of Memphis fans that were upset because they were low and people kept like doubting Memphis. 
Look at Memphis now. Their predictive metrics turned out right. Look mm-hmm. at Iowa State. Very similar things. Look at BYU. Like, a lot of the time, the predictives are right. That doesn't mean they can't be wrong, but they probably seven times out of ten come up right. South Carolina may be the wrong team this year. I don't know, but we're going to find out over the next couple weeks. Yeah, That's the thing. Like, Hunter, you say to a lot of fans out there, like, you just got to keep winning. Like, that's – I mean, at this point, like, that's what – that's all South Carolina needs to do. And you keep winning, and it it doesn't really matter what the predictives say. Now, I think they're predictive for a reason, but – Again, that doesn't mean we can't be wrong about some teams. Yeah. thought I had mentioned that with about just under a minute to play, Duke, Duke is leading Wake Forest 74-69. That's a tough game there. Um, I was looking this morning when I was going through the ACC um, bid watch stuff. The bubble teams from Wake Forest to Miami, Syracuse, uh, on through Florida State, Pittsburgh, Virginia Tech, and NC State, which are much further down. Yeah. They, if Duke, if Wake Forest loses this game, those teams will be a combined two and twenty-four in Q one A games. Yeah, that's not good. <laughs> two and twenty-four, and the two are by Pitt and Virginia Tech. Neither of which is really even that. Close. Neither of which are close, right? I think you guys need to switch on the McNeese-Houston-Christian game. Why? So we can see if McNeese can win by 100? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they're practically on pace. Yeah. 65 to 29. <laughs> um, no, the ACC, I've, we've had a lot of comments about undervaluing the ACC. Um, we'll address this as kind of our last little segment here. I don't think it's a mid-major conference or anything no. like that. And I'm not saying it is. But the ACC has not done well this year. Nope. Like, you can't pretend that – like, a lot of people want to write off Louisville, Notre Dame, and Georgia Tech. can't just write off three teams at the bottom of the conference. She couldn't wait to take – Sorry about that. You're good. Uh, but you can't just, like, write off three teams at the bottom of the conference. Those teams are there. Yep. So – it sucks, and it is what it is, but those are three, four, five, six games, how many ever the schedule gives you, that you have to go out and win. And if you don't win big, it hurts you. Yep. And, I mean, you're seeing that with a team like Miami. Yep. If they didn't have that Louisville loss, we're talking a completely different resume. But they do have it. But they have it. Yeah. And for the most part, when Wake Forest play, when these teams play Duke, Carolina, and Clemson, they're not coming up with the wins they need to get. And uh, close to the matter. Like, Wake's going to lose by six, eight points, something like that. Yep, 77, 69, 14 seconds yeah. left. Like, I'm sorry, but that doesn't help your case or hurt your case. Yeah. It might help your predictives. It doesn't do anything for anything else. They're still uh, 0-4 in Q1. Yeah. Let's see here. So I had Duke by seven over Wake Forest. So it's right about so, yeah. Yep. So you need to. So Wake needs to close it. They just need a couple points here to well, to cover. Need... If Wake Forest doesn't beat 
Virginia on Saturday, I don't think they get there unless they win their final six games against Pitt, Duke at home, Notre Dame on the road, Virginia Tech on the road, Georgia Tech at home, and Clemson at home. Yeah, I mean, the Ofer in the Quadrant 1 is a big problem. Yeah. Um, and I mean, some of these teams played weak non-conferences. Some of them have yep. racked up losses. It is what it is. You can't be perfect. You can't predict schedules perfectly or anything like that. But at some point, when you, especially when you have a conference like the Mountain West, who has figured out how to basically game the con- like the non-conference schedule to make it strong mm-hmm. without playing teams like Duke and Kentucky, like that hurts the ACC overall. Yeah, uh, the ACC is going to get four bids. I'm pretty confident they'll get four. They do have a shot at five. I don't know that they get to six. Yeah. What's really what's really interesting to me is that we talk about the Big Twelve and weak non conference scheduling. Yeah. We don't talk about the ACC and weak non conference scheduling. Like, or we don't talk about it the same way. Because most of them aren't close enough to talk about it. <laughs> That's part it, of it. It's a big storyline. Like, look at Clemson last year. Yeah. Like, it's a storyline when it deserves to be a storyline. Right. There's not a team on there. Virginia played a solid non-conference. Yeah. Wake is struggling, but, like, I don't have their non-conference in front of me, but it wasn't egregiously bad. It was pretty like, bad. It, what was it? <laughs> Presbyterian, Delaware State, New, New Jersey, NGIT, or NJIT, Charleston Southern, Towson, Utah, LSU, that's not bad. Georgia's not bad. Elon. Well, so LSU and Georgia, I can speak on those. Those are typically better than what they yes. are. This year. So that hurts them. Um, Georgia's been decent, but not great. And then LSU's been pretty, pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, that's typically not the case but for them. The rest of it, Charleston well, Southern. Rutgers, Rutgers is in there, it too. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Which they want. And, yeah. But Rutgers is garbage this year as well. The only well, thing that. Don't tell only- that to Wisconsin. They don't want to hear that. Wisconsin's garbage right now too. <laughs> the only thing that but what's their what's their seeding? What's their quad one record? Who uh, six and three or six and four? One of the two for quad one. I think it's are... six and five now. Is it five? Jeez, they still have a winning record and six quadrant one wins. That's big. Yeah, they are six a four seed. Yeah, they have split a lot. Um. Yeah. Wait. The only thing that Wake Forest has going for them right now is their wins over Virginia and Florida look better now. But that's about it. And for my Virginia fans, I had one tell me that they should be a six seed and the committee would put them at a six right now. Yeah, I saw that. No. Like, yeah. if you were to an eight, like, they sent me a picture of Lenardi saying they were two lines away from a seven seed. Yeah, cool. You're an eight seed right now, not a six. Like, mm-hmm. come at me with something factual. And I like Lenardi, but the list that you sent me is not his, like, true seed list. Yeah. So make sure, like, if you're using it, you're looking at actual, like, seed lists and not working things. Because it does matter. And Virginia's climbing. They were, they've climbed, like, 20 spots in the last couple weeks. Yeah. Like, absolutely rolling right now. But I'm not going to inflate them for recency bias. Yeah. It's not an anti-ACC agenda. It's just the truth. Well, and they, like, they've dropped games that they shouldn't have. And they didn't, they... They had some solid non-conference games, you know, beating teams badly that they should have beaten badly, yes. and like a couple of good wins in there. Texas A and M was one, Florida is another. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, but yeah, they just 
it's early in the season was it was not good. They've they've really started to put it together now. Yeah. And I mean, no better time than to be peaking than the next month. Yep. Yeah. So good. I feel them. like Hunter. Maybe you can speak on this a little bit, but like I feel like even though the committee says that like you know all the games matter equally i feel like there's still just a little bit of recency bias in how they vote probably yeah, just but... because like <sighs> if you're a hot team i feel like i was i mean there's a couple examples i can think of that they're counter examples. I mean, but, a couple of years ago, Texas A and M was hot coming in, and they right, that, that, that was that was the example I was thinking of. I don't think the committee. I think we give the committee a lot of credit when it doesn't need a lot of credit. Yeah, <laughs> um, Lenardi talked about it when he did that bracketology spaces with T um, three bracketology. Go to T 3s page and find that spaces and listen to it. But, it's going to be at T three bracketology for yes. those who are interested. And it was about. I think it was. Uh, a week ago now, yep. I think a week yep. ago Monday. So go back and listen to that if you want to get more in depth on the committee. But overarching things, the committee's probably starting to look at resumes for the first time now. Yeah, they're doing that top sixteen reveal on Saturday. They probably started last week getting kind of gradually into it, and now they'll get deeper into it. You're giving like don't give them as much credit as we do. Yeah, yeah. That being said, they're going to look at that team sheet. They may not see that, oh, Wake Forest is peaking right now, or, oh, Virginia's, like, skyrocketed. They may not even see that that's happened. They may just right. see that this is how it's going. Um, so don't read too much into that. Um, personally, I wouldn't. Um, the committee, we give them a lot of credit when they don't deserve a lot of credit. Yeah. Yeah. It's not um, like the bracketology guys like Lenardi or any of us on Twitter who – spend five, six hours on a bracket twice a week and probably know these resumes by heart at this point. Hmm. They don't. Yeah. Have <laughs> um, really quick. Do you guys have any surprises? Like, do you think the committee is going to surprise us somehow with like a team in the top 16 reveal? I mean, a team that maybe could be like a surprise would be like, you know, if there's like a Mountain West team like a Colorado State or a San Diego State, but I don't think they will. I'd be pretty shocked. Yeah. Yeah. I would um Dayton could be a sneaky team. Mm. BYU. B Dayton, BYU or Auburn. I, I like Auburn if they're on the four line isn't crazy. No. But they could put Auburn as high as a three and I wouldn't be able to fight it too too much. So okay. I think Auburn might be one to watch for. Um I don't see a Mountain West team. I know Mike mentioned them. I don't see any of them getting there. Who uh, do you think – who would you be shocked if they left out? Iowa State. Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, yeah. <laughs> at that point, at that, at that point, they're practically pulling no, names, names out, out of a hat. Or it's out of board or something. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe Iowa State, but I think they'll be on there. I was going to say Iowa State or Alabama. Yeah. I'd be really surprised if Alabama was a five. Yep. If they told I me mean, Duke was a five, I'd be okay with that. Like, I wouldn't like it, I wouldn't like it, but I could understand it. But Alabama, Iowa State would be my two on the three line that I'd be really surprised. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm I'm kind of excited to see what the committee reveals um, on Saturday. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll be looking for those names. I like I like it. Um, other than that, I don't have anything else. Um, we've kept it a little bit closer to an hour this time for once. I think yeah yeah I think we're good. We're trying um, yeah. And I do apologize for getting into the weeds with some of the numbers. Again, please, if you want clarification, um, DM myself on on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, my my Twitter handle is at Zach Abbott nineteen. Um, so yeah, you can you can reach out to me. I can explain it a little bit more, and I'll I'll post the the numbers. Um, so if you're listening to this off of like your, if you follow us and it just pops up in your feed, go to my Twitter at bracket NKY and you'll be able to find like the actual post that I'll have this posted under and Zach will have his, I'll have him put his comments right down there where they'll be close. So, um, you should be able to find it pretty easily. Um, other than that, if you have any questions, let us know. We've had a couple people respond to like their Q and A's on um, the actual episodes, um, one of them was like, I think Michigan man. And then a couple numbers. I didn't catch the username and I didn't write it down. Um, but I can't respond to you all, but I do see those comments. Um, I had a couple today that were just generally like positive and I posted those to the board. So those should pop up on that episode. Um, uh, but the Michigan man one, um, I saw it, it's been a couple weeks, but it got lost in the weeds and I didn't see it come through. Um, so shout out. Thank you for listening. You said you had been listening to all of our episodes. Um, if there's anything, please don't hesitate to reach out to Zach, Michael, or I. I know you said that we were getting a little too technical at times, so we are working on that. We're trying to explain it a little bit simpler because some of this stuff gets pretty complex. Yeah, and you wouldn't you wouldn't always think sports would be so complex, but there is a lot of complexity involved. Yeah, but any other than that, just let us know. Um, I'm going to go watch Texas Tech in Kansas and... I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, guys.